the project. Kuwait. Learn. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of The Project. And in this episode, I am left alone to sit down with Leveling Up with Nasser and the Functional Nutritionist. We talk about the Kuwaiti diet and the foods that we see culturally at our family gatherings and how to fuel our body properly and better. All this and more in today's episode. Hey everybody, welcome to The Project. Meg and Liam are entrusting me alone today to interview slash do a podcast with the functional nutritionist and leveling up with Nasser. Now, Nasser has a podcast in Arabic, which I think is something that is definitely needed in the market that has to do with everything. Introduce yourself. You can do it better than me, man. <laughs> sure, sure. Hello. My name is Nasser Lawad. I'm a, uh, well, I started as just a dietitian and now I've finally kicked in into spreading the knowledge instead of just counseling people. So I started my podcast, which is called Level Up with Nasser, and I'm hosting Anyone in the health field, including uh, physiotherapy, dietitians, uh, doctors, coaches and fitness coaches, and now even going to psychologists and like expanding. And Mehdi, you've been on the show. Your episode was amazing. Lulu has been on the show and it's been amazing. And all these information that I've spread over there, I've finally found that our community needs to listen to this. Especially in Arabic. I Especially mean, we, in have, Arabic, we have exactly. nothing in Arabic. We have yeah, nothing in yeah. Arabic. And I mean, me and Lula high five on yeah. the, the Arab English right there. I know I didn't high five. It was a doubt. We'll, we'll have that on camera. But yeah, that was, that was my bad. So, totally <laughs> that, that's true. In Arabic, yeah. we don't have enough content creators in Arabic. Yeah, it's I all agree. Instagram. I completely for nutrition, agree. For nutrition specifically or health, it's all Instagram. Yeah, exactly. And Instagram is not the best platform for us. It's a pretty good platform because it's, I mean, as long as the source is reliable, it is a pretty good platform because you can give tidbits of information. But I yes. I think what you're saying is like discussing topics in depth. Exactly. Definitely, it's not a good exactly. enough platform. Because even me, like if I want to say something really important, mm-hmm. I honestly, it takes me a while to like condense it and condense it and condense it into like a bite-sized piece that people mm-hmm. can understand. Because otherwise... But even with the bite-sized pieces, I mean, if we really look at it and analyze it and break it down, let's think of what we used to do. We'd have to get a research paper or a book at the library. Then we'd take that yeah. book, analyze it, read it, go through exactly. it, summarize it and everything. And then it turned into, okay, well, now we have Google. All yeah. right, now we have Google, go through Google. And then it turned into everyone was using Wikipedia. Then yeah. I thought the biggest joke when I was in college was people citing Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember that too. Yeah, yeah, I remember that too, yeah. And then, you know, now it's gone from like the Wikipedia, which I'll probably find more credible than the Instagram. So, I mean, Instagram, yes, but it's who's pumping that information out there. And one thing that, and I I see this a lot from the nutrition field, Mm -hmm. they'll pump out a study and they'll say, you know, out of 150 people, this is what happened and blah, 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 blah. Now, out of those 150 people, 120 of them were athletes. Yeah, yeah, Their body is going to burn differently. Their body's just going to react differently. Their genetic makeup. Yep. So why don't you guys break down that right there? I think uh, that's a, that's yeah. A good, yeah. Uh, and also there's uh, there's this thing called confirmation bias where basically let's say I have a stance about carbohydrate intake. If I research like carbohydrate intake and fat loss, I'm only going to be attracted to or interested in reading the papers that confirm my opinion, which means unless I'm very aware of that, I'm going to be pumping out information that confirms yeah. my opinion because there's data that shows you know, one side of the story, there's data that shows the opposite side of the story. It depends. 
there are so many factors that go into um, analyzing research articles, uh, especially for validity. So I feel like you also have to be aware that the person who's telling you information is presenting both sides of the coin and not just, you know, like when we have conversations about nutrition, I'm always like, it depends because yeah. it. It's really important That's the to most understand. word we use and the most word that people hate. Like, what do you mean it depends? <laughs> I know. It depends on I know. this, 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 and that. Exactly. But the study says. Yeah. The study depends on those few people. And yeah. even among them, it's different results. Yeah. It's not 100%. And, and also, you, it's as like, you said, the confirmation bias is a huge thing. Yeah. And it's also like, how many studies did you actually read on the topic? Yeah. And you can um, manipulate any study. You can you manipulate. Can, you really can. I yeah. did my master's thesis. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, you really can kind of play with the data. <laughs> with the data. You really play with the data. So it, it's, a, Statistics. it's like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm a genius. I got this right. It's exactly. Like, it's like I only asked 100 <laughs> people that I knew would give me the same response. Exactly. You go to, prove, exactly. Prove, to prove my, you yeah. know, my methodology. Yeah, exactly. But even when you break down the methodology, you can manipulate that also. So, I mean, if you guys... As nutritionists, you guys post a lot on Instagram, mm -hmm. which I think is great. And you post different nutritional facts. So what are some of the things that people can look for as a source of credibility when buying into a nutritionist on Instagram or on a social platform? That's a really good question. I definitely think if they explain how they reach that conclusion, like if you look at my posts, I mean, sometimes I post just statements, but if you look at my posts, I really try to explain the physical reason behind why certain things happen. I think if it's data-oriented as opposed to opinion-oriented, I think they should really understand, like, is this person just promoting a fad? Because some, you know, like for the longest time, like gluten-free was a thing and I didn't say anything about it, not because I didn't agree with it, but because I didn't know enough about whether or not it was good for you or bad for you. So I can't get on there and be like, hey, like cut out gluten because it's really bad for you when I didn't know anything about it. Same thing with celery juice. Like <laughs> I can't get on there and promote celery juice. It's a huge trend. Sorry, like, I'm laughing because it is a trend. It's like there's more like, nutrients in iceberg lettuce than there is exactly, in celery. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, I've recently learned there is some data that shows there is a potential mechanism for celery juice to actually improve your health because there's like one component of it. I forget what its name. I forget its name. But it's potential um, and it potential. probably depends on the person. It does because... I have a roommate. She's had gut issues for since I've met her, which is like over a year ago. And she drinks her celery juice every morning. And I'm like, if celery juice was a cure-all, you would have nothing yeah, by now. You what's what's your take on the whole celery juice thing? What's <sighs> Honestly? Because your clients are completely different from completely her clients, different. I'm assuming, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I, I think your clients, I deal a lot with behavior change than anything. Honestly. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, I'm not the best at addressing behavior change. Mm -hmm. I've had people come into my clinic and they go like, you know, they're obese. And they're like, listen, I love food. And I don't want to diet and I want to eat everything mm -hmm. that I like. And I just look at them and I'm like, but why are you okay, here? yeah, like, <laughs> uh, you know, I would, I, I completely help. And like, I, sometimes I have to like, let go of my own ideas of what the ideal diet is. And I'm like, listen, you can like cut down on this and cut down on this and address this portion size. And this is how you do it. But it's not my forte. I think yeah. somebody else would do much better. Whereas for me, I do better with someone who comes in and they're like, I really want to do something different. Yeah. Like I want to take care of my body. I have these symptoms and I know something's wrong you know there's something wrong and i don't know what it is and we work together to address that and see that statement you just said like i want to lose weight i don't want to diet i don't want to do all that that's the biggest or most common statement i get mm -mm -mm. and that's what got me into behavior change yeah and, yeah, uh, yeah i got one course and i'm planning on getting the other from ace which sounds amazing like i checked the module it looks amazing because at the end Lulua, 
what I'm thinking is no matter how much information we got, mm-hmm. no matter how much information we give them, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean they'll apply them. Therefore, they won't see results. I completely agree with yeah, you. Yeah, so I 100% that, that's agree why I moved toward the behavior change. Yeah. And it's been working well because you might get a client of mine that started off with me in the first couple of weeks and I didn't give them a proper diet. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like the real proper yes. diet. Because if I give them a full-on proper diet, they will not it. commit to it. I know. So I start as easy as I can. I ease them into it and teach them small things at a time. Check what bad behaviors they have personally and I try to address that and start slowly change that. So basically, my, I go for the long game. I always go for the long game. That's why even my coaching, like it's a, it's a two or three months commitment. They put mm-hmm. the upfront, I will start working on them for two or three months. The old system of, hey, come in and just get one session and leave, that doesn't work. Yeah, you're right. It yeah. doesn't. Yeah. I think behavioral change is super important, but I think that's why we attract different clients because exactly. the clients that come to me, they know they have to be a little bit more committed than mm-hmm. just eating eating exactly the same except for reducing portion sizes. Mm-hmm. So, but then your clients come in because they know that they you do really zero, well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. See, th- that's why I said, uh, I mean, that's why my name is Level Up. Like my tag is Level Up yeah. because I do see clients at different levels. You have the level zero that do nothing and want to do nothing. Level one that just, they ha- they don't know enough. They don't have yeah. the knowledge, but they want to start off. And then level two that know just enough to start off and they're starting to apply, maybe participate in some, uh, I would say, amateur, I would call them amateur athletes. Like seasonal. I, I mean, I myself, I'm an amateur athlete. I join triathlons and marathons and all that like once or twice a year. Yeah. I wouldn't consider myself a level three professional athlete that trains and eats all year long for my events. But I train for that. I have a lot of clients like that. Kuwait is full of them. And then you have the level ones and level zeros. Yeah, so that's true. When so- I reach level two and three, that's when you come in. That's when I sometimes like uh, I call Lulua or talk to Lulua. She'll help you out with some specific yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's safe to say. I mean, I know people that have gone to Lulua. I know people that have gone to you. And it's completely different. Apples and oranges. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. The approach but is I, I mean, different. you know, so far feedback's been good. Yeah, it depends. Like, that's why it's important to have variety. You know, yeah. it's not. So let's try and retract back to the question, <laughs> though. All right, we would have a little bit <laughs> sure. of a tangent. Now, if we were to pick five things mm-hmm. that we would need to look for in someone's Instagram, mm-hmm. okay? What, in our opinions, okay? Because this is opinion-based. It's definitely sure, sure, opinion-based. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. What would be an indication of whether this person is full of baloney or we should buy into? Baloney, person who's full of baloney would just be like, this is the best diet. Yeah. This is the solution to this problem. It's too- <laughs> Yeah, well, it's, it's, no, no, yeah no. it's the same thing. Like, yeah, no. this is the, you, you know what I mean? Like, they yeah. just promote one thing. Yeah, they just promote a one dimensional view of what's right and what's wrong. That's one thing. What's you say, number two? Number, uh, number two would be, I mean, I wouldn't say just diet, but like, when they start pumping out information in every single aspect without considering the different client, I wouldn't say client, but audience. It depends. You know, it depends, it, it, exactly. It, it, it very well depends on a lot and of things. I say that, I'd like to clarify this point because I say that because it really puts people in a spot where they get confused. You said this is right and now this is right. And then Lulu said this and Nasser said this. Mm. Which one's right? Yeah, what yeah is, exactly. I quote, what's a healthy lifestyle then? Exactly. If you say this is right and this is right and everyone's saying completely different things, what is a healthy lifestyle? What is a proper diet? If someone's just mass producing content without actually considering a kind of a tangent or a link between the information they're sharing, I see that as a problem because most likely those people are just looking for followers, just looking for numbers. They're just posting as much as possible to play the uh, Instagram algorithm. And when I actually ask them proper deep questions, I don't get a proper answer because they don't know how to analyze. They just share information. Okay. Yeah. I was also going to say 
something along those lines in terms of people who are on it for popularity. If I'm following someone for their educational content, I don't want someone who's like snapping selfies like 20 times a day or posting their women in the field who, and I've seen this, where they're literally in crop tops or sports bras and then they're posting about gut health. And it's like... (laughs) Why? <laughs> oh, so they can get the followers. Dude. Exactly. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And it works. But then it works. It, it works. It does yeah. work. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. Sadly. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, it's, it's great. Would it and work it's if I shot some selfies in a sports bra? I think so. You not think a sports bra. Not for the same reasons. It would probably go viral, but not for the same reasons. So, uh, yeah. so we got two. Yeah. All right. And I'll throw a third in. Go ahead. When I see IIFYM, if it fits your macros. Ah. Because that one to me, and you might disagree. You can we, see the we, way that I'm looking yeah, at it. I can, see, I can see the way you're looking at it. The only reason being is because the way you feel your body is completely different. And if you are saying you want to train like an athlete, then you have to eat like an athlete. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you eat like crap, it's going to affect your training and you're not going to get mm-hmm. the ripped six packs with the popping out obliques and everything. If someone's saying if it fits your macros, because his macros are different. He's yeah. probably burning 4,000 calories a day. Exactly. Whereas exactly. me as average Joe, I'm lucky if I'm burning, you know, 2,000. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and with those macros, if we're storing glucose, <laughs> All right, I'm going to go back to yeah, one of yeah, our yeah. earlier episodes. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm we're glad store, I'm teaching you, yeah. We're, yeah, we're, yeah, I'm trying to plan my argument really <laughs> well right now. <laughs> if we're storing glucose, and you know, that turns into fat, right? Yeah. So now if I'm eating a whole ton of sugar and I'm not moving, that's just going to store into fat. And then I go out and do half an hour workout. No, it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's going to okay. make a difference. Okay, let me try to understand. Are you saying if people promote certain macros or if they promote the concept of if it fits your macros? I'm promoting the concept if it fits your macros because okay. I still have the argument of a piece of broccoli is mm-hmm. completely different than a Pop-Tart. Yeah. Your broccoli, you know, granted to get the amount of calories yeah, in a Pop-Tart. Yeah, yeah. Nutrients broccoli, extraction. You're going to have yeah, to yeah. eat like six, you know, bushels of broccoli or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, so. It's true. No, no, I totally, I yeah, I do totally agree with that. I just think some, like, I use macros all, okay, it's, I guess it doesn't fall into if it fits your macros. I use macros all the time, so I do think there's there's a, a place in micronutrient distribution yeah. in a nutrition plan. I agree with that. Yeah. I agree with that. 100% yeah. agree with that. But I disagree with, okay, so you're allowed you 2,000 macros, yeah, yeah, yeah. you can have three pizzas in the day because yeah, yeah, that yeah. Fits, fits your no, macros. No, I disagree with that as well. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I've had people actually try to argue that. It's like, it doesn't matter as long as it fits your macros. But also, let's just understand that the people who argue that are the people who are super lean, you know, not genetically blessed. Because let me tell you something, like I eat, I can, not in terms of gut health, but in terms of leanness, I can eat anything and I probably wouldn't get any weight. It would take a lot for me to put on body fat. And from if how I, can I get like that? <laughs> it's, it's, it's gen, I have to say it's genetics. I mean, yeah, right yeah. now I do. I eat and... really well and I train really hard. But all the factors considered, considered. Yeah. Yes. So then I can't therefore promote if it fits your macros True. works. It True. just no. Because maybe if you, I'm if just you like get gen, an overweight gen, or even obese client that tries to follow the if it fits your macros. Even if I give her like eighteen hundred to two thousand calories, still. She doesn't need that. She needs proper quality. We're starting from zero again. You need to teach her. You need to heal her body, her metabolic system and all that to actually perform at the level that Paluto just described. So could we agree on three? Yeah, we could agree on three. All right, sweet. All right, cool. All right. I got one more. All right. I have to say this, even though I know someone close to me that actually does this, but when people only post studies, the study says, study says. Oh my God. (laughs) And I know people that are getting really popular doing this. I wish them the best, but... When someone only talks studies, I know for sure they have not worked with proper with actual clients. 
they only dealt with papers. They only dealt with numbers. They only dealt with data. And when I asked them questions like, okay, this study says that, but come apply it to a person that never done this. It's like, yeah, just give them this amount of creatine. Just give them this amount of dust. Like, okay, good luck with that. It doesn't work that way. I wish it did. Yeah. Like there's more depth into it. And then that study, as you said, it's been performed on specific uh, population. Sometimes it's older people. Sometimes it's uh, athletes. Sometimes it's only women. Sometimes it's only men. Sometimes it's certain genetic makeup. I post studies a lot. And the thing is, I did a postgraduate degree. And my postgraduate degree exactly. was all about reading studies, analyzing papers. That's the difference. So for me, if I were to post a study again... like You give the why behind I, it. Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah you analyze why behind it. it. You and, analyze it. And I definitely 100% think that there's so much importance in data. Yes. Because data is where we get our recommendations from. Mm-hmm. So studies are important. But I agree, if they don't have any clinical practice... Exactly. Then, yeah. This is my point. It's not about just, po- I mean, I cannot say don't post studies or don't read studies or studies are wrong. No, that's not Or even not don't it. say, that. yeah, like people yeah, who, who, you can you know. say, but then back it up with actual analytic. Let me yeah, see yeah, your exactly. mind working instead exactly. of just portraying or translating the uh, study. Yeah. And yeah, that's yeah. what I've been saying. People are just posting the study without actually analyzing it, without applying it to real life. And that's my key thing. It's real life. At the end, we're working with real people living real lives, yeah. not fully controlled studies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It depends on the context of the information. Because let's say like you know, I was literally about to post some information about how estrogen metabolism is affected by gut health mm-hmm. because I've seen it a lot in my clinic. There it's something that we know is true. But for me to put that kind of data out there, it has to be backed up by research that is mm-hmm. deemed to be peer-reviewed mm-hmm. in a journal article, non-biased, all of those other things. There so So we had the selfie pics, which was one, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then what was number two? And also, your second number point two was uh, mass posting. I'll call it okay. Mass like, posting. I mean, they can post as much as they like, but if they are your own, you're posting all over the place. But also, like some because some people like they're not full time nutritionists, but yeah. they're really good researchers. Like I know people like true. that. They're true, true, not full time nutritionists, but they're amazing at research. Like they literally have degrees in research and they do mass produce content and it is reliable content. So it's the exact same thing when we're looking at a client who's a nutrition client. Like it depends on everything. But again, we, said, we, yeah. it does. we did say our opinions and I yeah. think yeah. there are ways that you can see the phonies from the real people. Yeah, exactly. Like right, yeah, right yeah. now, one of the biggest things I'm seeing is like someone having like 30 or 40 or 50,000 followers. Yeah. That's my number one indication these days right now is the follower to the likes, likes I completely and views 100% ratio. 100% agree with you. Like, yeah. if I see someone with... Now, if I see someone with 50,000, I don't even care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you're not, you're not, you're not on my radar unless you're a million followers. Yeah, If yeah, you're, yeah. like, a million or whatever, then I'm like, okay. okay, maybe this person does have a little bit of credibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if they have a million and they're getting, like, say, 100,000 views. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Versus a guy that has, say, 40,000 or 50 or 60 or 70 mm-hmm. or even 100,000 these mm-hmm. days. And I'm looking, I'm like, dude, he has 100,000 followers and he has, like... 300 views? Yeah, that exactly. doesn't make any sense. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that to me, I think there are certain um, little things that, in our opinions, and I yeah. keep saying this, it depends, and in our opinions, <laughs> that you can see, look for, to yeah. deem if it's credible or not. Yeah. To switch gears, though. Go ahead. Because I think, I think uh, we went a, I, way I, off. We could <laughs> way stick off. to this topic I know, forever. We could, that could go yeah, on we forever. We could keep going back and forth. But I wanted to really hit on the topic at hand, which is Kuwaiti food. Yeah. Okay. Now, we're three Kuwaitis, mm-hmm. all right? I X the expats out today. <laughs> we got Megan the States and, you know, we got Liam. He's at MA Strength today. Okay. So us three Kuwaitis, we've been around the Kuwaiti diet for a long time. We've seen Kuwaiti food. We've eaten it. We've partaken in the family rituals. I think we talked about that in an episode before Ludua. Now, 
what are some of the biggest pitfalls that you guys have seen with our Kuwaiti diet and what we're eating and what we're consuming on a every weekend basis? Because mm-hmm. we go to the Yemen or the you know the gathering yeah. once a week, most likely. Yeah, sometimes and twice. Sometimes if you're married, twice. You get yeah. gatherings. <laughs> you get two, so you get the huge spread of food, and you're mm-hmm. gonna have your Mitch boost. You're gonna have your bug. You're gonna have your Malikbatat. You're gonna have your Bamia. You're gonna the list goes on and on. And then, you know, Ramadan rolls around. You have your Tishriba or you have your Tishriba now because I like it, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. then you have your uh, Shebzi, you know, like you have, there's so much variety. Kuba. Kuba. You know, Sambusa. Sambusa. Like also, right. I'm just thinking deep fried, like, <laughs> yeah, deep fried yeah. spring rolls. <laughs> they, they yeah. usually come around Ramadan, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. come around. Ramadan. I mean, they're on our table every day. The one, <laughs> the, the, I don't the, eat it. The but... one I love is they're like, "Hey, Ibn Salata," and it's got Doritos and mayonnaise. And I'm, I'm like, I know. What? <laughs> I know, I know, I know. That is not yeah. a salad. Nacho salad. The only yeah. vegetable there is just shredded salad, uh, shredded lettuce, and I, the rice is just oh my god. This, so, what are some of the pitfalls that you see? Is it just the foods that are presented, or is it the portioning size, which we you know mm-hmm. we touched on? Or before we talk about the food, I think it's really important to discuss the social aspect. Because what I find my clients have an issue with is not when they're eating during the week or it's not when they're eating at home or it's not when they have control over their home-cooked foods. It's when they're constantly in social settings where people are like, they're like, oh, like I can't eat this, I'm going to die. They're like, oh, you know, like you don't need to be like, don't be silly. You can have a little bit. And they're like, it's really rude for me to say no. I think it's incredibly difficult to be around people who are indulging in all of these delicious, high-fat, creamy foods, mm-hmm. pizzas, you name it. And then you're sitting on the side with your salad and chicken. Yeah. Um, HML gets me every time. But Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think, and this is something I've noticed more and more because I used to travel to Kuwait one week out of the month and now I'm here two weeks out of the month and it's going to increase over time. And when I started spending more time in Kuwait, I struggled with my diet. In Dubai, I don't have to think twice about the fact that I'm eating healthy. Everyone around me is healthy. There are healthy options everywhere. Like I go on Deliveroo, which is like carriage here. It's you know, here now. I'm not, huh? <laughs> They got Deliver- the okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, we're not, we're, we're not talking again. We're not in discussions with carriage. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, go ahead. You know, yeah. So I go on like a food delivery app and if out of 10 options, seven are healthy or have healthy options. I go on carriage okay. here. Out of 10 options, maybe one is healthy or has healthy options, but the photography of the other restaurants is like cheesy, creamy pasta, pizzas. Saucy. It just makes it really difficult for people. And that is a pitfall because we are in a society that glorifies delicious food yeah. and kind of looks down on anyone who's dieting or eating healthy or like avoiding gluten or on an elimination diet, whatever you want to call but it. See, and just to jump in from my perspective personally, yeah. when I chose to change my life for the better mm-hmm. and I went to, it was my cousin's birthday. They went to a restaurant and I was like, look, I I can't eat this food. Yeah. I, I said point blank. I'm not eating this food. No, mm-hmm. you have to eat. Mm-hmm. To get one. You need to do this. No, I don't need to. It's my choice. You know, I don't want to. Yeah. And then it turned into at my grandmother's house. It's like, all right, you know, the Mitchaboos is there. Everything's there. So I was like, okay, how can I do this without being rude? There mm-hmm. are ways around it. And a couple of tricks are, yeah. you just take the chicken, you know, just take the chicken. Go with the, the chicken protein, yeah. yeah. you go with, the, you know, mm-hmm. when in doubt, just go with protein, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. That's, that's what I've been doing. But when we go back to the spread, so mm-hmm. to speak. Yeah. All right. Is it all bad food? I mean, and um, we're not categorizing good or bad, sure, but yeah. is it all food that is not conducive to your goals? Yeah, yeah. Well, so I'd like to add a couple of points actually to her to her point, and then 
jump straight into this point. First of all, I have been seeing a huge shift in the mentalities. I have been seeing a huge shift in the way even families are now supporting people that actually want to live healthy. I mean, I go to a duania that used to have like big pizzas, like 12 pizzas for the whole group. And sometimes we order big rice plates and all that. And now like I walk in, everyone has their own meals. And no one's saying anything to to anyone. Like everyone's ordering, sometimes like two or three of them would order from a healthy restaurant. That same group of people, that same group of guys that used to eat 12 pizzas together are now all eating healthy food by themselves. Like it's by choice. So it is changing. Actually, now thinking about it, two out of my three duanias that I go to actually do this. Uh, When it comes to uh, gatherings, I also see a shift in that. I mean, yeah, of course, my opinion is usually biased because they know I'm a dietitian. So when I walk in, no one talks to me about that. But I see my sisters, I see my uh, my cousins, when they want to control their food, no one's talking to them. No one's telling them, hey, no, but eat this. No one's telling them you shouldn't diet. And even my clients, uh, in 2013, when I first started, yes, I had this big issue. I, almost everyone would say, yeah, but I don't want to tell people that I'm going to diet. I don't want to tell people that I'm changing my food because they will not support me. Right now, in 2019, I do feel like it's different. I'm getting way less comments like that, way less complaints about that. So that's number one. Number two, when it actually comes to the food itself, the main issue I see is variety, too much variety. And you know, psychologically, when you have too much variety, you actually eat up to 30% more because you want to try more. So that's independent of the quality of the food. Even if it's all healthy, you'll eat up to 30% more just because you have more options. And that's what happens at our gatherings. Every small family brings a plate or something or one dessert or a big plate. And then you have like three main courses, three different kinds of main courses. And when you sit down there, most people unconsciously or subconsciously pick all, like they get all three of them. But if you actually go in with a mentality, it's like, I just want to have one or even better. What I do is like I teach them to go with one small plate and put portions from each if you'd like and teach them what to put exactly. So variety is a problem and then goes to quality. Like the Kuwaiti food, it didn't start <coughs> off like that. Like they used to use natural fats like ghee before or even more natural fats before that. And then now they switch to the artificial fats, the uh, corn oil, corn oil, soy oil. oil yeah. yeah. And uh, I mean, soybean oil. Um, to yeah. rice and to canola oil frying. as well. And the issue is these oils are omega-6 fatty acids, mm-hmm. like contain omega-6 fatty acids. And omega-6 fatty acids, when you're constantly consuming foods that are cooked in these oils, you are going to have a much higher omega-6 to omega-3 fatty acid ratio. Mm-hmm. And when you have a really high omega-6 to omega-3 fatty acid ratio, you actually end up in an inflammatory state. And I know when it comes to nutrition, people are very interested in the physical appearance, maybe a little bit more than the health, unless they have health conditions. So it's not just about how you feel on the inside. It also affects the way that your fat feels. So I do body fat analysis. Mm-hmm. I can tell straight away if someone is has a diet high in fast food or junk food or they eat out all the time because they'll come in and they're like, you know, I, I eat really healthy. Like we'll go through their food history and then I'll do their body fat analysis. And I'm like, do you eat healthy out? all the time. They're like, yeah, I'm constantly ordering in because it becomes very hard fat. Because what happens is those oils that you take in from the food actually integrate themselves into the cell membranes. And instead of it being like this really fluid cell membrane, it becomes really rigid. And it makes issues like insulin resistance or it worsens insulin sensitivity. So that plays into fat loss and weight loss and how fluid uh, your body feels and Mm -hmm. how healthy you are. So we can say the spread is okay in terms of the food. It's what the food's made out of Mm -hmm. that can have more of a restrictive effect on our 
the health benefits. Yeah, I mean, and then the behavior itself. So with yeah. this cred, there's a behavior. Part yeah, of it. So, yeah. So that's my take on it. It's mm-hmm. more about the quality of the food, and yes. if it is, if someone's on an elimination diet, they're going to have to eliminate gluten and dairy, so they can have rice, but they're they're not allowed to have like sambusa, for example, mm-hmm. if it's on the thing. And I think given that elimination diets are three weeks. That's something they can handle. But then from Nasser's perspective, he's more, he would probably be looking at portion sizes a portion bit more. Portion sizes and behavior change. Which yeah. would make sense. I think this is a great combo. But Usually actually, I start with <laughs> this yeah. and then have You to, think every combo is a good combo? No, I, th- no, I think having both of you guys yeah. is a really good combo because it's offering different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think a common problem that a lot of us have, even the Western people, when I bring someone over to my grandmother's house, you know, they're like, wow, dude, there's like a lot of food here. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a ton of rice. And yeah. It's, there's not much protein. There's not, yeah, there's like, you know, especially during Ramadan and mm. you have, you know, the Tishriba and it's, everything's like really carby, really yeah. big. So one of my buddies was like, dude, I can't really, I don't know how much I can have of this because mm-hmm. of that. And I'm like, but just figure it out, you know, go yeah. from there. And I think the portion thing, if you put less on your plate, but mm-hmm. more of a variety, yeah. you don't look as rude. You know, I, yeah, I, that's, I, what I, that's what I do. That's yeah, what I, teach I think that's a good. Like, yeah, I think you, that's a you, good way of doing it. Especially if like different people cook the different meals, and you eat from one of them, they actually look at you sometimes. Yeah. It's like, why well, you don't like my food? Just yeah, look in their eyes. So it's like take a bit of from each and put it in. Now I have to be honest. Portion and size is not everything. Because if I do that, it's just like if it fits your macros, it's not everything. It's just one step. Yep. It's just one step. So I tell people go with portion sizes and gatherings because I'm coaching them what to do in the other six days. If you're okay in the other six days, when you go to a gathering, you can handle yourself. Because in the end, I, the way I explain it is like, it's just like a test. You don't do nothing until the test day and then say, how do I pass the test? You work on it, you study, you, you practice it on a daily basis. Every meal you're having on a daily basis is habit-based, portion-based, awareness, changing uh, ingredients, changing quality, uh, upgrading quality. And then when you go to a gathering, you're better equipped to handle what's going on. That's, that's, that's a good point. Now, Lulua, back to you. Mm-hmm. I have a question for you, okay? Question? From, from an athlete's perspective. Yeah. All right. Now, that was a great point to lead into this one because my question to you from an athlete's perspective, all right, now if we're looking at the portions, the habitual stuff, so what are some of the good sources of fuel that we could find on the typical Kuwaiti spread from Bamiya to Maragbatat to Qima to my ultimate favorite. I think this is like the like tough guys like meal, Shebzi. Uh-huh, <laughs> Just uh-huh. because, no, it's loaded with greens. Yeah. Like, yeah. Three, I, you know, like it's loaded with greens, but if you eat a whole pot of it, yeah. which is what I do, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Then you're not going to get the benefits. Plus you have the Mbabagdiyai um, and then yeah. you have the Mechbus Lahm and mm-hmm. then you have yeah. the, what else? Throw some Zbedi. Oh. Zbedi. I mean, hey, but since Zbedi, then, you know. It's fried deep fruit. But if, we, if we're an athlete, and we're seeing this spread out. Yeah. yeah. And say we've, you know, we've got a workout on Saturday and we're eating on mm-hmm. Friday. Mm-hmm. How can we maneuver around that to fuel properly? Would we avoid some of the highly dipped oil food so we don't, you know, have that omega-6 influx, basically? Yeah. Would we steer towards just white rice or the mechibus rice? I would say when it comes to athletic performance, because we were having a conversation, as we always do, before these headsets came on. <laughs> About, you know, how sometimes like if you go to a family gathering and then you train the next day, you feel awful. I think a lot of that has to do with the inflammatory response of food. And that comes down to what you can tolerate and what you can't tolerate. So if you have an intolerance to a certain food, let's say you have an intolerance to dairy, which is really common. And if you're having a small amount of this food on a constant basis, you're going to have chronic but low-grade inflammation, which means you're not going to get an acute response 
from eating that food, unless it's like lactose intolerance where you have a digestive issue. So if you eliminate that food for a while, let's say you're not eating it for six days of the week and then the weekend comes in and you indulge in picchio, like someone's brought frozen yogurt into the scene and you don't have- Don't hate on pick. I'm not hating. Don't, don't hate, I'm not don't hating hate on, on pick. pick. Listen. Don't hate on my pick, all right? <laughs> if, you, if you do well with whatever food it is, by all means, go for it. You know what I mean? I'd, I don't have any issues with food. I only have issues with foods that cause negative response in people. And from the athlete's perspective. Yeah. So from the athlete's perspective, what we want to do is we want to avoid that inflammatory response because that's what's actually going to make you slower. It's going to make you sluggish. It goes from low-grade inflammation. So if you're having a little bit every day, you're not really going to have that big of a reaction if you have it on the weekend. But if you're eliminating and you're being super good like all week and then you have a bunch of it, you are going to get more of an acute response, which means you have a more obvious reaction to it could range from fatigue, like not sleeping really well, having like major digestive discomfort. So you have like more blood flow or restricted blood flow to to your extremities. So from an athlete's perspective, go for the foods that are clean sources of carbohydrates. So that's rice. Mm -hmm. People ask me, can I eat meshbusen? If it's one day of the week Mm -hmm. and you're not diving head first into a bowl of mesh Wait, what's diving head first? Does that mean finishing off the whole plate? No, no, that's, no, that's no. something I I'm not gonna lie. Like my mother in law's house, she's like, Mehdi just take the whole bowl and she'll literally take my plate away and give me the entire bowl of rice and you know See, and I yeah. eat dude. I like I yeah. you know, me like, too though. Like I eat mesh Like I don't think nothing is bad if it's in yeah. moderation. So moderation. If, yeah, and like it's you a know pot isn't moderation. Yeah, but <laughs> now how, spread over the week. Yeah, spread it's it in over. moderation. But yeah. how much oil are you really having in that one in that one plate of rice? Like what is it? Like a tablespoon of that oil? If it's not really going to cause that big of a reaction, unless you're eating that and you're eating like a common food intolerance and you're indulging in pizza and you're eating all of these things that you usually don't eat and then you go train. So you're now feel off. let's go to the malik side. Okay, the yeah. stew side of it, because I mean, let, let's think of it logically, you know, you get tomatoes, onions, garlic, maybe a little bit of oil, mm-hmm. not that much from what I've seen cooked with when they make like margabat or margabamia, mm-hmm. you know, there's not that much oil in it. It's usually the, the fat coming from the actual yeah, meat. I mean, protein, protein itself. Yeah. But yeah. even the fat from the protein, that's kind of good fat, that's right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's yeah. probably, that's way better fat than yeah. the Definitely. fat you're going to get from the oil, right? Yeah. So would it be beneficial for me to say, okay, you know what? Maybe I'll stay away from the mechbus rice because that's doused in oil. Mm-hmm. Let me go towards the stews. Let me yeah, go towards the Which marik. has potatoes. Yeah, you know, and then you get the marikbim or, you know, the shebzi and everything. And it has those beneficial things. So would it be more beneficial for an athlete just to go that direction and maybe mix a little bit of the clean carbs with like maybe a spoon of rice? Depends on their needs. Like... If you're a high, if you're a high let's, performing, let's, athlete. you're a high performing. Let's forget about needs for one second. Okay, grandmother. Are you house, talking about quality of food? I'm talking about quality. How can I plan? Say I have a workout on Saturday. My grandmother's house is on Friday. Okay, and I still need to eat to fuel my body. Of course. Mm-hmm. So what are you got to work good, out tomorrow? Yeah. Rice, so what are some good choices? Potatoes. So would a marik batat be okay? Totally. Okay. Yeah. Right. Listen, I like, like that's that's yeah. my more direct yeah, yeah. question. Like marik batat is yeah, yeah, yeah. Would I be? Would the stews be more beneficial than the rices? Not necessarily. Mm, they're two different things. Okay. Not necessarily yeah. because really, like, what's in the rice? Like a little yeah. more canola oil. Yeah. Obviously, you want to avoid that all the time. But we're talking about traditions and culture. Yeah. So people are going to be going like once a week to these events. The difference between a stew with potatoes is not really going to be that different from rice and chicken. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't actually have anything with the Kuwaiti, anything against the Kuwaiti cuisine. It's clean carbs, protein, 
There's typically not that much fat in it. I'm so inviting you over to my grandmother's house for lunch, both of you. You guys, <laughs> really? can, yeah, you guys can come over to my grandmother's and then you tell me if it's clean carbs. <laughs> I'm, no, no, I'm talking about traditional Kuwaiti cuisine. I'm not talking about. Um, I'm not talking modern, about like the modern is a no, bit this, different. It's still traditional. I mean, um, it's, it's, you're Mitchbus Lehem. I mean, there's a lot of oil. I th- like I've seen it kind cooked. of oil. I, yeah, I've seen it cooked. I, I mean, and, and I'm really? just like, dude, that's a lot of oil you're putting in there. I, I was yeah, but in the how much rice are you gonna have? Once. Like, it's still. Do you it's... see my face? Like, how much <laughs> rice are you gonna have? It's like I'm gonna have like a, a decent amount of rice. And I think for the majority of us, we get lost. You know, yeah. sometimes we lose track too because you're talking, you're conversing, so you sit there and eat. I personally, personally, my mm-hmm. personal thing is, I always kind of like try to go towards the mudag side mm-hmm. or the stews because I know it's a gonna fill me up a little bit more, and b it's probably got more the fuel source is a little cleaner which is which is the tomato paste the yeah. meats the edis or the you know you know what i mean like the bamia like i'm still getting my vegetables in but this is your yeah. jobs as the nutritionist yeah. Yeah. to say that's, yeah you know you're doing a good job or a bad job or you can i think you're overthinking that it that's my honest opinion okay. because if we're talking about a healthy meal it's about like two cups of veg you have your carb source, whether that's half a cup or two cups of carbs, like again, depending on your needs. And then you have a protein source. So that's a healthy meal. And then if you were to try to analyze the health of like Marek Bamia that has a quarter cup of chopped <laughs> vegetables in your serving, you know what I mean? Like, and yeah. then, and then for you to be like, oh, like this Marek Bamia, like I feel really good about this because I'm getting my vegetables in. It's a quarter cup. Like, yeah. <laughs> but you, no, if you, have, if you have a lot of Bamia on there, if you overportion it with Bamia, <laughs> it, it works. Maybe, it, yeah. It works. Tell you, you, you guys got there's, you guys there's both a major point. I think so. Yeah, <laughs> we'll I think so. Yeah. But there's a major point I'd really want to get out there. How Kuwaiti food used to be cooked is completely different, almost completely different than how it is now. I mean, the kind of fast they're using back then, like I was talking to my grandma, like I almost interviewed her about this, but she's just too tired to do it. I went to the kitchen with her. She was cooking a mechwus and she used, uh, I think it was corn oil or one of those. So it's not like denadani, it's not ghee. It's not one of those mm-hmm. natural fats, what I call. She says like back then when I used denadani, I used way less than this. Because now I have to pour like what double or triple the amount to get the same effect and the same make sense. taste and same texture and all that. But back then I would use like a quarter amount of fat in general. It's the same calorie wise, the same amount of uh, same calories, but the amount is completely different. So number one, cleaner source. Now she switched to that, and it goes back to when people were told that this causes heart disease. Use this; it's healthier. And then this became cheaper. Start with Tamwin. They give it to you at, for a really cheap price. Yeah. Tamwin. It's our standard. You get it on a monthly basis. So they started cooking with it. Tomato paste. They used to make the tomato paste. Yeah. Now they buy it with so much sodium, so much preservatives, so much God knows what. And now you have it this in the mug. So when you're talking about uh, all the meals you're mentioning and the tomato paste and all that, I agree. But if it was made properly, like back then they used to actually make uh, the mug from scratch. Now they're using chicken stock, like a certain brand I don't want to mention. Uh, they're using the tomato paste from a certain brand, preserved and everything. Even the salt is not natural salt as it used to be. So, And then the, the oil is a, a different kind. So it did change. The Kuwaiti cuisine as ingredients did change. So that's actually a pretty good point. Because if you look at our ancestral diet, yeah. if we go back to our ancestors, and I always argue with people about mm-hmm, this, mm-hmm. You know, they'll be like, no, no, it's okay if I eat it. And I'm like, it's okay if you eat it, but... If you're not, if if you don't feel right afterwards, it's because your body's not used to it, you know, and I've seen that more with myself Mm -hmm. over the last few years when I started to cut certain things out. Like right now, I know gluten is just like, it's bad for me. It Mm -hmm. just doesn't work with my body. 
certain dairies just don't work with my body. Yeah. And I'm understanding that more and more. Yeah. And then when I look at the ancestral diet, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, so when I eat fish, I feel great, but I hate yeah. fish for some yeah, reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Like yeah. when I eat fish, I feel amazing. Yeah, sure, yeah. But I just don't like, I don't stomach it well. Mm. So it's, you know, I've been playing with my diet so much with mm-hmm. the foods that I'm eating to see what works best for me. Mm-hmm. And it just comes back to ans- your ancestral our, like yeah, dates. Our genes, what are they used to having? Exactly. Like when we were talking about dates earlier. Yeah. You know, this is my segue into the dates. That's good. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> you know, when I have normal dates, mm-hmm. not the douse dates with the molasses. Uh, the molasses on it, that's a great source. I feel great after that. Sure. When I feel like I, you know, when I, you, you can feel when you're low on sugar. Mm-hmm. And when I have some of those, I'm like, all right, I'm good. I'm good to go. But our ancestors ate it without the dips. Yeah. Or so much of it, actually. Yeah. Whereas now you see all the spikes in diabetes, yeah, everything. Yeah. And you're right. Like if you look at the dips they put on it now, mm-hmm. dates, it's a traditional food yeah. we always have. So it's been made differently now. Let's try and break yeah. that down a little bit. So let's explain explain it as quick as we can. Like we were talking about uh, the natural dates, which is, what's it called in it? Before it became dates. <laughs> Yeah, uh, before, like, halal, I forgot. I I just right off the tree. Yeah, just, just right just off the right, tree. Right off the tree. It's, it's, it's green and it's yellow. I know exactly. And they can about. have it like this as, uh, as a yellow ripe fruit. And then it kind of, they let it, I don't know, age or ripen even Ripens, more or overripe yeah. 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 until it becomes dates. Yeah. It's still dry. Rutab. It's still rutab. Yeah. 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 Rutab, yeah. I can't believe uh, I'm the one that came up with it. Where did that come from? Where did that come from? Because I knew it started I, I with an R. You. You're, you're sitting there and you're like, you're thinking, you got something to say. And I'm like, can I cut off so often? And be like, well, what are you, you going to say right now? What's going <laughs> So we got halal and then rutab and then tamar. And then at dates, which is dates. For dates, it's just dry. It's it's ripe halal, a ripe fruit. But when they packaged it, they compressed it so much and then squeezed all the molasses out of it. So most of the time, they actually add more into it, like more molasses to keep it all preserved in that. And it's all air sealed and everything. I was just telling uh, Lula before we started in that when you're having that one piece of date naturally, you're getting good balance of the sugars itself and the fibers within it and the minerals and everything. But when you get it with the molasses, it's way more sugar than the fiber would balance out or can, let's yeah. say fix or control. And if you look at the big picture, like how many pieces you're having, because it's compressed, it looks smaller. You're going to have like double the amount at least. If you get two or three big pieces naturally, you're going to have like five or six of the smaller ones because they're so compressed with the molasses on top. So that was one of the biggest things. I'm ashamed to say that it took me 22 years to realize the differences in dates. <laughs> like I thought only the compressed one was the dates. That's I, a, no, I agree with you. I, that's yeah, what I like, thought. I didn't I know all the different so kinds. Yeah. Until someone gave me fresh dates from their yeah. farm. And I'm like, they look like this? What am I getting? <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's my family doing to me here? Yeah, exactly. So. I, I mean, uh, from my family, I'm like... We get dates on a weekly basis from people visiting from Hesse from Saudi Arabia. Yeah, yeah, yeah which are so, really good dates. Yeah, really we, good they bring dates. them to work. I, I, I work there. <laughs> I've never tried them. Most of Saudi Arabia, even Kuwait, they make them, but those Hassaoui dates are different. <laughs> they're good. No, they're, yeah. they're, they're good. really good. Yeah. But I prefer the natural ones, the non compressed, non molasses added ones. I really like them more. The Majdul, they call it, or Khdari, uh, or something like that, which you can find in regular supermarkets and boxes, and they usually stay longer because. Compared to the compressed molasses added, once you open those, 
they go bad quickly. It's just, just so much sugar. It crystallizes and goes bad. And then people eat more of it because yeah. they don't want it to go bad. And this smaller size and, 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 and add to it. I want, now, we're, you got more to say she's, Yeah, she's, she, she looks like she's going to like throw the coffee just, mug at one of us right now. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just, I'm genuinely thinking like I'm coming to conclusions. Basically, I think the kind of clients that I deal with yeah. are probably different than the different. clients that you deal They're with. They're very because, different, I told you. Yeah. But I'll tell you why. Because this is why we have a difference of opinion on dates. Because for me, like the clients that come to me will eat like three to five dates, maybe. Mm-hmm. If it's covered in molasses, that's maybe an extra five grams of sugar. Yeah, yeah. It's not really that big of a difference. Not a big deal. I'm not too fussed about the molasses because it's still an unprocessed. It may yeah. be added, but it's still like somewhat True. unprocessed. True. So for me, but to be is like, it uh, is it unprocessed? Well, he's saying they yeah, squeeze it out. It, it depends. I think it depends where the source is from. True, if you're going to the point. local Jamaica, if you're going to the Jamaica, you don't guarantee at all. I can say like I've seen dates where it just looks like there's sugar caked on. And to me, I'm like, that looks a little different than the dates that I saw in Saudi Arabia. Because mm-hmm. the dates that the guys that I know that bring, you can tell in that it's not really messed with that much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas sometimes Even you'll buy the ones it out that of the are packet. Like, um, with the molasses? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it's sourcing, though. You know, and, and that, That's another point, yeah. So the question but is, I, how I do you source? Yeah, yeah, I see your yeah. point. And so uh, if, if it's just, if you're eating three to five pieces, it really doesn't matter. I agree. But when yeah. you do, when I deal with a client that's used to eating twelve a day, and I'm trying to tone not it down even, for them, not I even mean, twelve. You sit there though, sometimes. I'll sit there eat them like Benick, man. And what? You yeah, yeah. You don't even and realize it's, it because they're so sweet, sweet, though. But they're so small. Exactly. They're so used to it small. They just eat it one after the other. You might be able to see that in uh, different gatherings or different cultures or different families. Sorry, in our culture, we're used to finishing our meal and having dates right mm-hmm. after the meal or maybe even during and then have more of it uh, at coffee like you have a della of uh, arabic coffee and mm-hmm. you finish that with like a bunch of dates each each person you know so but that's just like I, just yeah, yeah yeah it's different it's the, it's, yeah. the, it's the cultural aspect but it is, it is, it is here, the cultural let me bring back a little scientific question here i got a good science question for you guys what is a good sugar intake what's a good sugar intake i mean from a rule of thumb what can we say is 85 grams a day okay is sugar what's in excess of sugar in terms of grammage per day yeah, are we talking about sugar or are we talking about fruit we're, we're talking about, like we're, we're talking about sugar so if we're consuming dates okay. we're going to consume sugar right okay. yeah so then say every the date has uh 12 grams of sugar in it okay so then if okay. we eat 10 of those mm-hmm. that's about 120 or 100 and something 120 give or take does that consume my sugar intake for the day because I think, I think a lot of people will sit there and they'll have, look you know, they'll have yeah, date yeah. after date after date, right? So now all of that accumulates. And then if we go to macros, <laughs> right? So, yeah. I think given that the recommendations for optimal fruit intake is two to three pieces and each fruit will roughly have about 15 grams of sugar, three dates is the equivalent to one fruit. So one date, one date will only have five grams of sugar. I think it's safe to say that about 30 to 50 grams of sugar is acceptable given it's from healthy sources. That's the most scientific version of the answer I can give you. But then... So unrefined fruits. Yeah. Really. yeah. But then again, if you talk to me and you talk to Nasser, we both would probably have different diets. I train super hard. I need about 200 grams of carbs yeah. per day. Yeah. I'm going to put coconut sugar in my coffee if I want to. I'm going to put normal sugar in my coffee if I want to. I'm going to be eating three to four sources of fruits per day. I'm going to be having carbs, which do break down to sugar. If I look at my fitness pal and it says I've had 75 grams of sugar for the day, is that bad for me? No, not no, for I'm you. fueling no, my training. Yeah. My body fat isn't changing. My energy is level. And then you look at someone who has insulin resistance, no sugar, yeah. none. You don't want any sugar in their diet for about a few weeks until their cells resensitize to insulin. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. So I can't give you a super scientific answer about no, like but that's just a how that, much. But that's as yeah. scientific as that's you a very can get. Point, like, yeah. you know, it's yeah. a good point. And it, it's just how much is too much? Because anything context. in excess. I, I got to see in context. First, the source is very important. Now, when she mentioned, she said dates and all that, even coconut sugar, she said good sources. But I to be fair, coconut sugar is not that big better? of a difference from, yeah. it's not really that big of a difference from sugar. Because again, I'm all about like true facts. Mm -hmm. So I could be like all about, you know, let's be vegan. Let's be healthy. Yeah, yeah. Let's be gluten free. <laughs> I'm going to have my coconut sugar in the morning. Really, it's not that big of a difference okay. from normal sugar. Okay. So, but yeah. What she's saying, like, she gave you the whole context of her lifestyle and how it fits her. And then you got to be careful with sources also. You didn't mention maple syrup and pancakes and things sometimes, like that. Sometimes. Well, sometimes. Maple syrup. You wouldn't rely yeah. on it. There's, you know, if, it, if it's an organic, natural maple yeah. syrup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, that, yeah, you can, in my opinion, go ahead, have at it. Mm. But again, anything in excess yeah. is going to have detrimental yeah. effects. Yeah. And also, since we're on the topic of sugar and health, I can look at it from another perspective. So even though I need a certain amount of carbohydrates per day, I know, like for me, I want to get off of this kind of a diet after, within the next few years of a high carb diet, because I know that sugar is aging, regardless of my insulin sensitivity, regardless of my body fat, regardless of my training, because Sugar, when you eat sugar, especially fructose, fructose has 20 to 30 times more of this ability than sugar, um, which is from food sources. When you eat sugar, it creates something called advanced glycating end products. So what glycating basically means glucose attaching to something. So what that means is when you eat sugar, it attaches to protein structures in your in your body. It denatures these protein structures, dehydrates them, which means mm -hmm. they end up breaking down and losing their function. So it contributes to aging. So in, you know, in that aspect, how much sugar is too much sugar? Probably like even 30 to 50 grams of carbs would be enough. If you're trying to look at it from an anti-aging perspective, you want your skin to look good. You want your body to feel good. You want your cells to function well. You want your mitochondria to function well. So I think that's one of the reasons I'm having such a hard time asking these questions. Because no, there's cool. so that's many aspects. But it's cool. I mean, this is what this is for. We don't yeah, yeah, all yeah. have to agree. You know? yeah, we don't yeah, all yeah. have to see eye to eye on these yeah. things. I mean, that's the beauty of this. It depends yeah, on you. It totally depends on your background. So it's cool, dude. I mean, mm -hmm. I think it's a really good discussion. <laughs> yeah. Now, just a funny quick story. I used to train at old school Victory Gym in Jabaria. Oh, my. Yeah. And there's this guy, Borelli, there. Older guy. This was years ago. We're talking 15 years ago. Oh, my God. He used to bring in like this thing of dates <laughs> and he'd put it down for all the guys with the, the Arabic coffee. Mm -hmm. And I remember him till this day. He's like, Tfuddle, Tfuddle. Fuel, Power. fuel, power. Yeah. But, <laughs> but that's the old school mentality. Like yeah, my uncle, yeah. he's like, you want to get, you want to get big? Go eat carbs. You yeah. Know, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. He was like, go eat pasta. You know, even yeah. our old load coach up. was like, load up, eat pasta, eat pasta. Yeah, there's benefits to it, but at 20 years old, you're going to use that fuel mm -hmm. more efficiently mm -hmm. versus using it now. It's probably why I love pasta. <laughs> <laughs> You've been conditioned. Do you know, yeah, you know what? Because I grew up really skinny. Funny story about that as well. I grew up really skinny. I mean, I'm still pretty slim, like, but I was always told, always, always told, eat Snickers. It's good for you. Eat ice cream. Yeah, it's good for no you. Doubt. Because they're looking at me like, you're too skinny. You <laughs> yeah. I swear to God, up until this day. Even if I'm on like this super clean, super strict diet, if, you know, like I think one time, like I was on a plane, I was starving, I hadn't eaten all morning. So I ordered a Snickers and I ate a Snickers and I felt really proud of myself for eating Snickers because it's, I'm conditioned to conditioned, think like yeah, this, yeah. a lot of high calorie chocolate is good for you. So to this day, if I eat like a tub of ice cream, even if it's vegan and like mm. it fits my macros or whatever it is, like it's healthy for me, it has no side effects. I'll be like very proud of myself. Speaking of, if you guys want some ice cream, you come. Oh my god! Yes, yeah, please. yeah. I got, I got yeah, some of the vegan, vegan ice cream yeah. if you want to try that. Yeah, yeah, I definitely have some ice cream if you want okay. to try it. <laughs> 
But shifting gears. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Away from the ice cream. There's ice cream coming, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Let's just end this thing so we can have some ice cream or something. So we can have, go have some dates. <laughs> Bro, if you allow me to add something, should you mention something very interesting that it has a lot to do with our culture? Growing up skinny and people thinking that you don't need to eat healthy, you don't need to go to the gym and all that, that's still happening. So yeah. that's something cultural we have as well. Like if someone's not overweight, like I got a lot of non-overweight clients. I got a lot of them. Like I would say almost 50% of my clients are non-overweight. They just want to be healthy. They have issues and or maybe physical or mental or performance issues that they want to get better at. And I coach them through that. Those people, the, the non-overweight clients suffer the most because those clients go to their homes and their families do not acknowledge that they need to eat healthy or even go to the gym. So that's a cultural part in our in Kuwait here that we have. It's like you don't need to eat healthy. You should just actually load up. You do the opposite so you can gain weight. Yeah, I mean, gain I got... weight is different. I, I you got, probably understand that. I got very bullied a lot as mm-hmm. a young adult um, and as even as a child for being really skinny. And I was always like, eat yeah. burgers, like do this. The things that I've heard were pretty horrible. <laughs> like there are things you would never say to oh like an God. overweight person. So yeah, I do think it's a cultural issue. I don't know if it's still applicable, but I think... I think that there is a shift. shift. There yeah, is there a is shift. a shift. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but going back to bullying, I think mm. that's a great topic because there is food bullying. Oh, yeah. In my opinion, I think there's yeah. food bullying, food shaming. And I think a lot of these, you know, <clears throat> these Instagram jerks, okay? Yeah, being, yeah. Especially the ones that, that do fat shaming. Mm. You know, that's just, yeah. that's just mm. crappy. And I think for people, it's the health aspect. And I think we can all agree on this. Mm-hmm. If you have the goal of getting healthy, yeah. then you're going to seek out the healthy options. And yeah, you're going to want to do it. And that's what you need to do versus listening to the jerks that are telling you, oh, don't do that. Or if you want the six pack, you can get that. So, I mean, from a psychological perspective of dealing with people, you mm-hmm. know, dealing with clients, because you guys have different clients. What are some of the similarities that you guys can think of when it comes to what clients are saying their needs are and based on what? Well, most of my clients just... <laughs> I like it. <laughs> she had her hand up first. I'm going to give her this sure, question. Sure, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to have to break out like the, the talking stick or something. <laughs> like, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, you seem like you have a point. No, no. Okay, you go ahead first. I lost it. <laughs> oh, sorry. Well, my, well, most of my clients really just, they want to get healthier. Used to be before, like when I first started, I used to attract people that just want to lose weight. But because I shifted the way I work, now I'm attracting the people that ju- really just want to be healthy they want to be okay they want to be they want to feel good in their own skin do they talk about their trigger like for me personally oh, it was yeah. my son like i thank you yeah, like yeah, yeah for yeah, me yeah. it was running okay, up the okay. stairs and i remember this i ran up the stairs and i was like oh my god i'm so winded <laughs> and i ran up one flight of stairs yeah and then i saw a picture and i was like oh my god like i'm gonna die mm-hmm. by the age of 45 if i don't oh, no. do something what? now like i was it was i was going down a really bad path yeah in yeah. terms of eating like it was it was pretty bad so I got two most common triggers, non-married and non-father, non-parents usually look at their parents or their grandfathers and they say, I don't want to end up like that. Okay. I don't want to be a burden. I don't, I don't want to be, 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 be a burden on my family. For my family, for my kids later on. I want to be healthy and live longer. I want to, I want to move more. I want to be able to travel and do more when I'm, when I'm older. That's for mostly younger clients. And then you get the parents, they literally say what you said. I want to be healthier for my kids. I want to be there for my kids. I want to play more. I want to do more. I want to literally just be there. Yeah, those are your clients. What yeah. about yours? Because yours are completely completely different from yeah. what I'm understanding from this entire conversation. That <laughs> Your clients are like, it's like apples and oranges. Completely. I, I would say my clients typically have more advanced issues than it just being a matter of I want to and I want to know how to. I think the majority of the clients that I get commonly will tell me I don't look the way that I eat. 
or I don't like the way that I eat and the way that I train. So they have some form of weight loss resistance where they've done everything. They think they're doing everything right. And obviously, a lot of it com- actually comes down to mis- like misconceptions. A lot of them think they're eating really healthy, but then when we analyze their food, it, there's something off. There's something off with that. I get so those kind of clients where they've reached a point where they don't know where else or what else to do. I get athletic clients who want to know how to enhance their performance. And I get a lot of people with gut issues or hormonal issues. So PCOS, I have like, I had a guy who was aromatizing too much testosterone, which means his estrogen levels were too high. Yeah, I would say I do get people that only want weight loss, but those are the people that don't fully know exactly what I do because then they're like surprised with me saying, I think you should go on an elimination diet. Let's see how your body reacts to yeah, this. Yeah, they're probably like, what? Yeah, what's, yeah. It, what's an elimination? The yeah. funniest <laughs> thing is like, I have to ask about people's history. So that means we have to go through any kind of like emotional traumas. We have to go through... Things like their childhood, like their schooling, like all of these things. And the funniest thing is like when they're like all ready for me to talk about their diet. And then I start asking about, you know, how was your relationship with your parents? And they're like, like, they're just like crossing their arms and looking at me like, why is she asking me these questions? I just, and they're like, well, I started gaining weight. And I'm like, well, okay, like I'll get to that. But let's discuss this first. <laughs> so I think I answered the question. So, I mean, I, I think this episode was packed full of a lot of different things, especially from the Kuwaiti cultural perspective. Yeah. And for our Western listeners, like, look, if you are going to a traditional Kuwaiti gathering, it is somewhat rude, I would say, not to eat. Yeah. But you can, from what Nasser and from what you were saying is, you could fill your plate with an open mind and, you know, kind of just... Look at the portions a little bit. Just think to yourself, okay, if I eat this, how's it going to fuel my body? How am I going to feel afterwards? I think that's a safe bet, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what advice could we give to like the athletes? Because that's the one point I really want to kind of drive on because we do have a lot of athletes. Okay, okay. Well, I I will say this. I think traditional Kuwaiti food minus the cooking oil, the oils used for cooking, is actually really works really well for the athletic population. I mean, it's starch, it's rice, it's potatoes, and then it's some kind of protein Sweet, source. Sweet, you just justified it for me. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> I eat, like, like, yeah. Like, oh much food like three times a week. I mean, she, I, I ask her to cook in olive oil or ghee, but I eat much food three times a week like or more, depending on when it's available. It's just available at those times. Nothing against the Kuwaiti cuisine whatsoever. Again, if you know you have an issue with gluten and you know it makes you feel like crap, avoid it. There's so many other options. Yeah. That's awesome. There you go. That's yeah. It. And I, th- I think for everybody out there, I mean, this is a good episode to listen to <laughs> when it comes out. <laughs> yeah. Next time, we, I got to have you two with Meg on the iPad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, she's going to be with awesome. That one, I wouldn't even talk. Why? <laughs> because I'm just going to be like, you guys have at it. Yeah. Man. You're all gut health. And, <laughs> yeah. you know. So, I mean, yeah. I think that's a lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks, guys. It was it was a pleasure having you on, Nasa. Thank you, As Meg. a first awesome. time, just having like basically kind of like a nutrition roundtable. Yeah. <laughs> the, that, that's a first. So, thanks, dude. It was awesome having you Thank on the you, show. Man. And hopefully we'll we'll have you back on sometime again. Definitely. You know, this was this was a lot of fun. Like. It was. Thank you for having me. Functional again. nutritionist as always. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> I love saying that. It's kind of like saying nutrition. I love I'm chatting like, with Lula. Like, right? She, she she introduces a whole very very interesting part of nutrition that most dietitians, most people just don't even know about, don't talk about, don't address, and they miss the ball. In my opinion, I think, Honestly, I think yeah, a lot, I, of, I say, a lot I of them miss the ball on some True. of the things that you talk about. And what one thing I've been seeing more and more lately, and it's been pissing me off to high heaven, is when you have a dietitian on Instagram or on a social platform saying, don't gain weight or don't do this, or you don't want to gain so much weight for, you know, doing this exercise. Or if you're oh a breastfeeding God, yeah. mom, you shouldn't gain this much weight. And I'm just like, dude, mm. you're not a doctor no. and you don't know what everyone's 
genetic makeup is. Exactly. Like, you know, it's it's horse crap when you're pumping out information yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, that's why taking like a really thorough history is super important. And, sure. you know, like anyone who comes to see me, like you can expect we're going to go through some details that you thought you would never talk to a dietitian about because your history, and I say this all the time, you too can have the exact same symptoms. Mm-hmm. Your history dictates how the treatment or how the nutrition plan gets written out. Two sisters could come to me. They leave with completely different um, mm-hmm. uh, recommendations. So uh, we discussed this as well about like yeah. who to trust on Instagram and blah, 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 blah. Like someone with an open mind. As long yeah. as you're open-minded, you know how to look at people individually. You know how to listen really well. We're like, gonna that's have, really We're going to have a whole episode on just some breaking consultations. down consultations. No, we could do that. <laughs> breaking that breaking down the Instagram program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that will make for a good episode. All right, guys. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. You can also find us on Instagram at The Project Kuwait. Thank you, and join us next time.